Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Tobin. Kathy. I love mail. Do you? <laughs> I do. Like physical mail? Yeah, I've committed mail fraud in the past. Wait, how did you commit mail fraud? As a child, I might have participated in a pyramids game under the impression that I was going to earn money. I learn a new thing about you every day. What? I got a letter from the USPS saying cease and desist. Okay, anyway. Okay. Why are we talking about mail in the first place? Because we get mail at Nancy. We do. We get emails. We get tweets. We get Facebooks. And reading all of those messages is our social media producer extraordinaire, Caroline English. Hey, guys. Hey, Hi, Caroline. Caroline. People love the show. People are sharing really personal things with us. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's really sweet. Thanks, you guys. Yeah. That's really nice. But there's also some negative. What? How dare they? From WNYC Studios, this is Nancy with your hosts, Tobin Lowe and Kathy Two. Okay, so lots of messages. What are the things that you're hearing from people? Yeah, tell us, Caroline. Okay, so I've been saving all of the messages that we've received, and I've got them here on my laptop. We get a lot about the Gay Republican episode Uh, specifically. So that episode uh, followed gay conservatives as they tried to make the case that they were potentially the new voice of the LGBT movement in Donald Trump's America. Mm Mm-hmm. And one of the characters in that piece, his name is Gregory Tiangelo. He's the head of the Log Cabin Republicans. He's sort of like a major voice in this gay conservative movement. We are the only LGBT organization in the country that uh, supports preservation of our Second Amendment constitutional rights. We're the only LGBT organization in the country calling for full repeal of Obamacare. So we heard from one person named Patrick who's based in Thailand. He's an American expat. And he said, I was prepared to feel frustrated and and uncomfortable. But listening to Gregory T. Angelo talk really got my back up. And I realized about halfway through, it wasn't just that I disagreed with him. It was the hypocrisy. You pushed him on trans issues, but I wish you could have pushed him on other areas where the Republicans are horrid. Yeah, I feel like that was a thing that we heard a lot after Mm -hmm. that episode came out. Absolutely. People saying, why did you give these guys space? Why did you sort of let them talk out their positions on things? Yeah. And I think we came at it from a place of, you know, they were making a pretty big claim after the election that they, as gay conservatives, had this in with the administration. And so Mm -hmm. part of that story, I think, came from a place of like, okay, if that's what they say is going to happen, we should test that out and and follow them around for a while and see what happens. Tobin, I'm just – I'm going to say this again. I'm so glad you took the lead on that story because I have such complicated feelings about it and I totally get where Patrick is coming from. It is frustrating to hear people try to defend themselves in a way that sounds completely hypocritical. I'm going to go take a nap for 40 years now. Good. So we've just got a letter from a woman named Justine who feels like we've been dismissive in some of our approaches to lesbian identity and when it comes to the very ends of the spectrum. Okay, yeah, I did a whole story about me working through what it means to be butch. I think what she's talking about here is my conversation with Lena Waithe of Master of None fame. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Why not? (laughs) Up until this point, I I feel like uh, lesbian representation on TV 
has always been either very femme and mm-hmm. unbelievable or mm-hmm. super butch and also kind of unbelievable. Justine wrote, Would you think I was a dyke if you saw me walking down the street? I have long hair and long nails that literally have not been without polish for more than the time it takes to switch colors in over 15 years. I can't tell you how powerful these expressions of femininity make me feel. This is a great point, Justine. She's referring to uh, in the middle of the interview that I had with Lena Wave, I was asking her uh, kind of about the way lesbians are portrayed on TV and how generally they're portrayed as very butch women or very, very feminine women. And I think the point I was trying to make about it being unrealistic is that that's all we see on TV and that's not in itself realistic. And if I were to go back and do it again, I wouldn't put it so dismissively as if all butch women, all feminine women are unrealistic because obviously they exist. Justine is an example of them. But I would make my point more clearly that in the media, it seems like those are the only two versions of lesbian women that exist. And that's just not, that's just not real. Yeah, you're talking about like that you want to see a full spectrum. A full spectrum. A full orange is the new black of lesbian women. <laughs> you know? Orange is the new black is a great example. It is, yeah. And I understand not every show could be that, but it seems like it's a shortcut to portray a lesbian woman by showing it that way. So we should say you mentioned the the story about butchness. Uh-huh. You just recently got your hair cut. I did. How are you feeling now? I feel great. I feel like it fits my face more. It does. Showers are much shorter. <laughs> I enjoy going to a barber. And I find that uh, when I had long hair, I was constantly worried about whether or not I looked feminine enough. And uh, I would take it very personally if somebody even insinuated a little bit that I wasn't. And now that I kind of present the way I do out in the world when somebody kind of like misgenders me, I don't take it so personally anymore. Hit us with more feedback. Probably the most feedback from one episode in particular. Can you guess what it is? Mm, I have some thoughts, but Mm -hmm. go ahead and tell us. Okay, this is from Logan on Twitter. I've been enjoying Nancy podcasts a lot, but their recent episode about Harry Potter made me want to scream into my phone until it stopped. <laughs> Why, Logan? Why? Oh, my God. People were so mad about this So episode. mad about this episode. There were pitchforks and flames outside of our door. Okay. So this is the episode in which uh, superstar producer Matt claimed that Dumbledore might not be gay as J.K. Rowling says that he is. And I think to defend himself, we need Matt in the studio. Come on in here, here, Matt. Matt. Come on, Matt. (laughs) Matt, how do you feel about the, uh, would we call this backlash? The Harry Potter backlash. Backlash. Oh, my God, like. People were just, like, adding J.K. Rowling on Twitter. Just being like, <laughs> get him. Get, get him, him, J.K. Rowling. <laughs> and I was, like, really worried because, first of all, I was like, I already have a policy where I just don't engage with J.K. Rowling on Twitter. So, like, what would I do? Wait, wait, wait. I like how you have a policy of not engaging with J.K. Rowling. Like how many she times is she tweeting at you? <laughs> no, like, I, I, I had to unfollow J.K. Rowling on Twitter, like, a year ago because, like, the gay Dumbledore was just, like, the beginning of an era of nonsense mm. where she would just be like, 
oh, uh, Lupin being a werewolf is actually a metaphor for AIDS. Or like this character you don't care about married this character you don't care about. Oh, and mm. every year she apologizes for killing a character. Mm-hmm. Which is like, it wouldn't be a story if you didn't kill these people. <laughs> like, she didn't murder these people. <laughs> Okay. Does J.K. Rowling okay. think she murdered these people? Matt, I really love the nerd rage, but I'm going to bring it back. Matt, what do you say to your haters who are convinced that Dumbledore is gay? I wish Dumbledore were gay. I wish that it was a meaningful part of the book because the sexual orientation of adults, their romantic lives, is a big part of the book. Like, it's the driving force of Severus Snape, who's, like, the most complicated character in the series. And it all boils down to this, like, childhood crush and like that's the same thing Rowling says explains Dumbledore that this like crush he had as a very young man like kind of ruined love for him and he's kind of incapable of doing it for now at the same time Dumbledore's like the biggest proponent for love of all and it actually like would be a great story if this were part of it and Rowling just like didn't actually put it there producer Matt Collette one of the stories that got a huge amount of response was Sarah Lou's piece about finding her first queer role model. And Sarah got to meet her in this story. That all started because of this song called Ring of Keys from the musical Fun Home. Sarah was at a concert and she heard a cover of it. When I heard it, I, I cried a lot. I was like just totally transported back to being 12 and being in this store and looking up at the storekeeper, Mora, and thinking like, oh my gosh. Um, and it's it's kind of like, it was a very charged moment, and I was like instantly taken back there. And after that piece aired, we actually heard from the musician who performed the song when Sarah first heard it. And she was in town this week. I'm Erin McKeown. I'm a musician, writer, and producer, and a queer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember thinking after I saw the show the first time, like, this must be what, like, straight people feel all the time when they see pop culture in some ways because they're not, (laughs) they're not, um, you know, it was a moment for me at a musical that I didn't have to translate. And um, that was a really unique experience to me. Well, so then how did it feel to hear Sarah's story and be like, oh, my God, I was I gave this person this whole moment. So exciting. You know, the the thing that I've learned being a musician um, you know, performing for as many years as I've been performing is that you have never have any idea who's in the room. Like you really, like, I just have to remember that all the time. Like even during like a hard show where there's like five people there, like one of those five people might be having an extraordinary experience. Man, the parallels are so crazy about like what you just said as a performer, not knowing who's in the room and Mara in the story. Like that, that thing of like, you never know what you mean to people. Mm-hmm. Just you by never know what life. you mean to you never know what you mean to people, and I think like the thing that I that I also thought listening to that story was well, what is my ring of keys moment? Like mm-hmm. I hadn't really as much as I performed that song or saw that show. Like what, who was that person for me? Was it one person? Was it many people? When was it in my life? And I I hadn't thought about that, and um, and then I've taken some time now, and I kind of figured out I do know now who that person Ooh. is. Who is it? Um, I grew up in a small town in Virginia, and I had been playing guitar and writing songs and had started playing, first started playing acoustic guitar when I was 12 and had switched over to electric guitar, you know, in my later teens. And I'm reading through our hometown newspaper, and I, you know, just like flip a page, and there's a picture in the paper of this woman smiling and playing electric guitar. 
and it just caught my eye. And I just was like, who is that? What is that? And that's when I had that moment of like, I couldn't articulate at the time, but I was like, that's what I want to be. Like a smiling woman jamming out on the electric guitar. And it wasn't like she was playing like an open C chord down at the neck. She was just like, like somewhere (laughs) high up on the neck. So the picture was advertising a show. And so I went to the show and I introduced myself to the woman afterwards. Her name is Sarah Green. And um, we ended up having like a mentorship and a friendship um, for a a few years. And, um, you know, and then it turned out that she was also with a woman. But I didn't know that from that picture. I didn't know all these different ways that my identity that I would eventually find were going to line up with what I saw in that first, like, flash of recognition. Mm. That's amazing. Oh, I love that. I know. So you're going to play us a song. Yeah, I thought um, I thought it would be awesome if I played you guys a song called The Queer Gospel. Love it already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so last year I was um, headed to North Carolina on tour and all that stuff with the bathroom bills was going on. And I wanted to bring a song with me for people. And um, I love gospel music and I love the uplift of it. I don't use it ironically at all. Like, I just love it, and it matters in my own spiritual life. And so I wanted to write a gospel song for folks there who might feel less than because of what was happening. Erin, I'm so excited to hear this song, so take it away. All right. Love us as we are. See us and we're holy In this shall we shall ever be Holy ourselves Your love will take us far Praise us and we'll show you From heaven to the glory holes Glorious and free There are those who think we're wicked There are those who call us names Depraved, lost and sick And would rather bathe us in shame But we put the sin in sincere We put the do in the doubt God is perfectly clear We are perfectly out Love us as we are See us and we're holy Shall we shall ever be holy ourselves? Your love will take us far. Praise us and we'll show you from heaven to the glory holes, glorious and free. I believe in the ritual of lipstick, the sanctity of electric guitar. But it's cool. If you're not that Catholic, you can be whoever you are. Love us as we are, see us and we're holy, and this shall we shall ever be holy ourselves. Your love will take us far. Praise us and we'll show you from heaven to the glory holes, glorious and free. Everybody love us as we are, see us and we're holy, and this shall we shall ever be holy ourselves. Your love will take us far, 
You can take this question any direction you want. How do you identify? Gosh, is this a tough question? <laughs> uh, as a creative. I don't know. I think the thing that comes first to mind is male. Designer. Queer. <laughs> You're listening to Nancy. We'll be back after these messages. Tobin. Yes, Kathy. So we've been talking about feedback we've gotten to the episodes we've aired so far. Mm-hmm. And I want to go back to a thing that I said all the way back in episode one of our little podcast here. Okay. And that is when I was coming up to my mom, I told her this one thing. I mean, I'm not completely gay, but I'm mostly gay. Ah, yes. That could be confusing to people. Yes. Well, you know me, so you know what I'm talking about. But most people don't know what I'm talking about. I identify as technically bi in that I am attracted to men and women, but I only fall in love with women. So to make that a little bit easier on myself, I just tend to round myself up to gay instead of actually saying that I'm bi. Because when I do say that I'm bi, there's so many assumptions that kind of jump in there that I don't want to deal with. Right. Well, and this gets at, you know, we're talking about listener feedback. People Mm -hmm. write to us all the time and say, why aren't we talking about bisexual people more? Mm -hmm. Where are our stories about bisexual people? And we actually have wanted to talk about it. We're talking about it right now because there's, like, stuff that you're still figuring out. Yeah. I I mean, I feel guilty about it because— Knowing that I'm bi and not saying that up front all the time makes me feel like I'm participating in bisexual erasure and not in that I'm not acknowledging that bisexual people exist. But it's not that I'm not acknowledging that they don't exist. It's just that it's easier for me sometimes to say that I'm gay than have somebody question my actual identity. Oh, like when people come at you with a like, oh, you're just on a pit stop on the way to gay town. <laughs> Exactly. Or other assumptions like you're just being selfish mm-hmm. or you want to sleep with everybody, which yeah. if you know me, Tobin, and you do, <laughs> that is not me. That is not you at all. Yeah. Well, and like I think about when I've heard bisexual people talk about their identity and, and I think it must be so hard to figure yourself out while people are constantly denying that mm-hmm. you even exist. It's tough, Tobin. <laughs> You know who's currently trying to figure all of that out right now? Oh, who is it? Let's see. I write stuff, and I do voices for stuff. It's Mara Wilson. And I am a recovering child actor. When Mara was a kid, she was in Mrs. Doubtfire. She was in Miracle on 34th Street. Oh, and she also—wasn't she Matilda? She was Matilda. Here's Pi. How old is Matilda? Four. I'm six and a half, Mommy. Five, then. I was six in August. You're a liar. Mara's 29 now, and she very, very recently came out on Twitter as bi. And one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to her is because of all the stuff we just talked about earlier. She's navigating coming out as a bi woman and facing all the messiness of that very publicly. 
I fought it for a very long time. For a very, very long time, mm -hmm. I think that I, I kept saying to myself that I had exceptions. And one of the excuses that I had was, I can't be queer because I already have too much going on. <laughs> Which doesn't Wait. make sense. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think that I'd heard all my life, like, bisexual girls are crazy. Huh. I'd heard that so many times. Yeah. And I already was like, okay, well, people already think I'm crazy. So I can't prove them right yeah. by admitting that, you know, I like girls mm -hmm. as well as boys. And I like some people that don't really fit into, you know, either category, you know. And so it was – that was something that I had for a long time. I also felt like, okay – what would my family think? Turns out my family didn't care. <laughs> I was very lucky there. Well, like, how young were you when you were starting to think about the possibility of being queer? I think I was probably in middle school when I started to think about it. And I also noticed when I was young that, like, uh, my mom very much, like, believed in marriage. But I didn't, I didn't really like the idea of getting married to a man. Yeah. I thought the only reason that I really wanted to do it was because— it seemed like the easiest way to have children, and I wanted to raise children. Okay. <laughs> but, like, I didn't fantasize about boys that much, you know. Mm, yeah. I never looked at, like, a muscular guy and, you know, even all through my teenage years and was like, oh, that's what I want. When I did, it was like I was looking at a painting. Like, mm. oh, this is nice, and I appreciate the work that went into this. <laughs> also, I grew up on film sets, so, of course, I knew tons of gay people. Right. You're surrounded. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, and, and then I think in high school I definitely had crushes, but— I denied that for a very long time, too. And there were a couple times in high school that I fell under the spell of, like, a cool older girl. Oh, and my God. Yeah, yeah. so many times. <laughs> and they would be kind of mean to me, but I would keep coming back because they would, mm -hmm. you know. This happened multiple times, I think. And I remember once I, like, got in trouble with my parents and, you know, she overheard and she came over to, like, give me a hug. And I said, I love you. <laughs> and she said, Oh, I love you too. And I I thought about saying that's not what I meant, but I, I was like, no, I can't say that because then I have to think about what I do mean. Right. <laughs> you know? And so she kind of like broke away and was kind of awkward. And, and after that, I noticed she like kind of withdrew. Yeah. You know, we weren't really like close friends anymore. Yeah. It was like it, we, we couldn't be, we couldn't be. Uh, it, but but yeah, and I, I for, for a long time, I was just like, oh, that wasn't anything. And then well into my 20s, I was like, okay, that was one thing. <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, okay, there were more than that. And there was more than that. And there was more than that. And yeah, okay. I was crying in my therapist's office, and she's like, is there anything you want to admit to? Because you know that this has been a thing for a very long time for you. Huh. And I said, I, you know, I, I guess I'm bisexual. And she she also was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Even the therapist. And it was funny because I'd been feeling depressed, and then I noticed as soon as I walked out that door that day that I didn't feel depressed anymore. Hmm. I just didn't feel depressed. I didn't feel lost. I didn't feel confused. It, it very much felt like things were clear, which was nice. That was a really good feeling. For somebody like you, like I come out to myself, mm -hmm. to my family and friends— and then that's sort of it. Yeah. But you have to come out to yourself, to your family and friends, and then kind of like the public. Yeah. There's like an extra step for you. So I was out to my family and friends, and uh, and like I said, nobody was surprised. And yeah. then and, and I was wondering, am I ever going to come out publicly? I thought, okay, well, maybe it'll just happen sort of default. Like, you know, someone's in the public eye, but they, 
are just randomly dating a woman one day. So I was like, okay, maybe it'll be that. And hopefully that woman will be Janelle Monae. But, um, Excellent choice, <laughs> by the way. I love her so much. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like, I can't look at like a photo of her without like, without like sighing like Snow White or somebody. <laughs> but yeah, so I was like, okay, maybe it'll just be that. Right. You know, that way I don't need to worry. And it's not like I'm a big paparazzi person, you know. I'm not Kristen Stewart. Nobody's going to be following me around to beaches to see me, like, have my arm around, you know, yeah. a gal pal. Like, nobody cares. Some I don't people know. people care. I yeah, mean, but exactly. you were trending for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but enough people care that, like, I, I thought about it. Like, I was in—I think I was in a bar in, like, Brooklyn once, and there was a girl I was flirting with, and I was like, if something happened here— Somebody could take a picture of it. Somebody could tweet about it. Hmm. And I worried about that for a while. So now I guess I don't have to worry about that anymore because <laughs> people will just be like, oh, yeah, that's Mara. <laughs> yeah. Well, going back a little bit, um, you came out officially mm-hmm. on Twitter after the Orlando shooting. Can you just tell me a little bit about your decision to come out? Like, what were you feeling at the time? I had gone through a very—I had a very rough few months. It was the 20-year anniversary of my mother's death. It was um, our family dog had just died, and my grandmother had just died. And this all happened in a matter of weeks. Uh, I was grieving. I was, you know, we were—it was a very hard time. And when I I heard about the shooting, I felt just helpless. And when I feel helpless, I think I, I want to know, like, what I can do to help. But I can't really explain what went through my mind at that time, except that I think somebody called me out. Somebody was like— well, why were you in these gay spaces? You didn't belong there. I don't care how much of an ally you think you are. And they were angry and they were lashing out. And it was like, it was like a sitcom where you're like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And then somebody comes up and challenges you and you're like, oh, yeah, well, what about this? Yeah. And I and I was like, oh, that was the wrong way to do this. And I knew it was the wrong way to do that. And I, I did have a lot of backlash from it. I had people saying, you were only doing this for attention. You're co-opting a tragedy. Somebody on, on I think Gawker, when it was still around, said that... Uh, Calling myself a Kinsey too in the wake of a tragedy was paltry. Okay, well, you know, I don't know who died and made you the LGBTQ police, but okay, dude. I have so many thoughts about that. Yeah, you know, and also, and also, like, a lot of my friends pointed out they're athletes coming out, and when they're, like, white men coming out, then that's fine. But, you know, God forbid a woman should be bisexual. Well, you mentioned this a little bit before. Uh, you know, being a bisexual person mm-hmm. can be touchy for straight people and gay people. Yeah, definitely. They either say, like, you're trying to get attention or you don't exist. Yeah. Or you're confused. Which yeah. is something, I mean, I remember thinking when I was very young, I thought to myself, being bisexual makes more sense to me than being straight or being gay. And I remember thinking to myself, does everybody think that way? And probably not. No. <laughs> probably no. not. No. You know, most people think, you know, you're, you're one way or you're the other. But, yeah, I, I, I do think that there's still definitely a lot of stigma. And I know that there's still, like, you know, there are a lot of, of women out there who wouldn't want to date me because they don't want to date somebody bisexual. And I don't like that they feel that way. But, you know, I, I, I respect their feelings. I guess people have their preferences and people have their things that they feel comfortable with. But it definitely is the idea that, like, oh, you're bisexual and it's, like, just, like, rolling your eyes. And it's like, okay, look, I'm 29. I know how to get attention. If I wanted to get attention, I could easily get attention. In fact, I would kind of like to be left alone about it in some ways, you know? <laughs> Instead of I'm, I'm, uh, I'm interviewing Well, all no, about no, it. no. I mean, like, no. But I mean, like, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to make out with someone at a party in front of a bunch of right. people I'd want to. Or, right. or if I do make out at a party, I'd like it to be in a nice corner somewhere <laughs> away from people. Oh, right, right. That makes you know? sense. 
A thing that I'm guilty of is that I tend to tell people that I'm technically bisexual. Yeah. But I brown myself up to gay or lesbian. I, and now I, I'm, I'm, I find it easier to identify as queer. Yeah, I feel that too. And I mean, I also thought for a while I'm bisexual, but people who are, will be like, okay, so you're attracted to men and women. But some people don't seem to understand that that can also encompass people who are non-binary. And I remember when I came out to one of my brothers, he was like, yeah, well, you know, there's heteroromantic, there's homoromantic, mm-hmm. there's like, it's a lot more complicated. I'm still figuring it out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I do think that uh, queer seems to kind of fit me better. Yeah. Queer is what I feel most comfortable with. So I've heard you say that in addition to Janelle Monet, you also really love Kate McKinnon. I do. Yes. I, and, uh, yeah. And I just, I'm just curious. Did you watch the Ghostbusters movie? Of course. Yes. Are you thinking of the scene that I am thinking yes. about when Kate McKinnon's character licked her gun? Yes. And then proceeded to take out all the ghosts in front of her, basically in slow motion. <laughs> you just got Hoffman, baby. I was, like, digging my fingernails into the sides and just eyes wide open. And, like, my friend who was sitting next to me, he was like, yeah, Mari, you looked like you were going through something. And I was like, I was. I was. Um, that's definitely an embarrassing crush of mine. But I guess it's not embarrassing because, like, everyone no, has it. I don't think it's embarrassing at all. Yeah. We're all in this together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, that's our show. Please stay in touch. One great way is to subscribe to our newsletter at our website, nancypodcast.org. Credits, our producer, Matt Collette. Sound designer, Jeremy Bloom. Editor, Jenny Lawton. Executive producer, Paula Schumann. I'm Kathy Tu. I'm Tobin Lowe. And Nancy is a production of WNYC Studios. We just got a letter. <laughs> we what? can't use that. What was that? It's from Blue's Clues, okay? Anyway.